If you want to open up to Philippians, we're going to read the same passage we read a few weeks and finally finish up 1 to 11 this week. Let's start by reading that. Philippians 1, 1 to 11. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi, with the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all, because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. So this week we're going to focus on 9 through 11 and talk about a subject we've talked about many times and in many ways is a review but when you're talking about things that are most important in the Christian life we can stand to go over them again and again and that's one positive of going through a book is I don't have to decide how how often is too often to talk about something so we're going to talk about love and that Paul prays for them to abound more and more in love. Love more and more. We want the Lord to help us to love more and more, don't we? What a fitting verse to talk about love. Well, we talked about love, I don't know, two months ago, maybe three months ago. Well, what about more and more? Can't we love a little bit more? Can't we stand to grow in love? And that's why Paul's praying. He's not praying that they might start to love. He's praying that they might love more and more. So, Lord, please help us to love more and more. We want to see the importance of love. I mean, he starts out with this. He says he wants them to love more and more and then add to that knowledge and all discernment. It starts with love. We know from 1 Corinthians 13, love is the is the big thing love is the big thing we could have a big church lots of people we could have great preaching lots of truth we could have a church that is generous notoriously generous or known for being generous giving all that we have we could have many martyrs in our church and people dying for Christ, and we could have 
great understanding of scripture and people know the Bible so well, can quote books and verses and so many things they know about God. You know, I I heard a little advertisement this week. I was listening to a sermon and it was for well, it wasn't a sermon, it was a podcast, but it was for a seminary, and it said, if you want to go to the seminary where the professors write the books that everybody else uses in their classes, then you need to go to seminary such and such. And we could be like that, you know? We could we could be notorious for, not notorious, but people could look up to us for, we're writing the books that everybody's reading. Uh, we're making Bible studies that everybody's reading. We could have faith that can move mountains. We're praying, God, do these big things, and then they're happening. But if we don't have love, 1 Corinthians 13 says, we are nothing and we gain nothing. So imagine that. I mean, imagine how you would feel if all those things really were true. When people heard, oh, I go to... You know, church so-and-so, they're like, wow, that church is so generous. That church is so, um, I benefit from, you know, how generous they are. I benefit from, you know, listening to the Bible studies or, and on and on and on. And all those things were true. And yet, you feel, man, we're doing so good. But you could miss the big thing. And you would feel, I mean, think, I think I would feel really good if I was out in the community and people were saying, you guys are so generous. You guys are so, you know, helpful in understanding the scripture. You guys, I hear about, you know, you're praying and big things are happening. It's encouraging my faith. But in my heart, do I know deep down, yeah, but do I love? That's what First Corinthians 13 says, you know. Speak in the tongues of men and angel, of men and of angels. Have all knowledge, understand all mysteries, give up our bodies to be burned, give all we have, but if we have not love, we are nothing and we gain nothing. It's just a good reminder. I remember as a story, I remember sitting in the basement of my parents' house a couple years ago and there's an older man who was a grandfather and his his son's his son and daughter were there, and he couldn't talk. He he was kind of shaky, and he he wouldn't say anything. He couldn't talk anymore. I don't know exactly what was going on, but you could just see him sit there and look around. And he's playing with the kids, even though he can't talk. So like he's joking around, and his his son and daughter are there, and and they're interacting with him, and you could f- feel the love even though he wasn't saying anything. And really, he couldn't do much at all. He couldn't even talk anymore. And I thought about me. What, when, I, when all my doing is done, when I can't do anything else, when I get to the place where I can just sit and look around, I can't even talk anymore, what's going to be left? Like, is, is my life going to be so filled with love for those people that I'm sitting with that it's still full? Or am I going to be thinking, man, I wish I could go out to campus and pass out tracks, you know, some more. Or is there going to be love for those people that I already have shared with? And that that's going to be enough.
I hope that I hope that it is. I pray that it is. I pray that the love is the big thing and that it's growing more and more throughout our lives. So much of that we've talked about before, whole sermons about. But let's look at this particular passage and what we can see about love that is somewhat, in some ways, special to this passage. So let's read verse 9 again. It's, It is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. So here he's saying not just love. He is talking about love. I want you to love and I want your love to abound more and more. But specifically, I want there to be more than love. I want love to have knowledge and discernment and be able to approve what is excellent. So it's not just having love. It's love first, then adding knowledge and discernment. We want both. We're not saying, I want to love, but I don't want to know things. One thing we can say is we need knowledge too. And what I'm going to do is this phrase, with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent. Okay, That is a phrase that the commentators disagree on or have different emphasis on what it means. And so I'm going to give you three different views. They're all pretty similar, but they're highlighting different things. And we'll just go through each. I think any of them could be what Paul was meaning, or it could be all of them that he was meaning. But we're going to go through what that might mean. Uh, And the first one is, that what he means when he says he wants knowledge and discernment so that they can approve what is excellent. Some commentators say it's specifically truth versus falsehood. So you want to know what is true. You want to love and you want to know what is true so you can discern, decide between what is true and what is false. And that what is excellent is what is true. And we can see this in other passages in the Bible, zeal without knowledge is not good. He who makes haste with his feet misses the way. Proverbs 19.2. In Romans 10, Paul talks about the Jews having a zeal for God, but not with knowledge. So you can have this, you can have zeal in this case, in that verse, those both those verses are talking about zeal, but if you don't know what is true, it doesn't matter. And we could say the same, we could replace the word zeal with love, couldn't we? If you love deeply an idea of who God is, and it's not the true God, you, you need to add knowledge, right? You can't love what you don't know. If I said this, I'll give you an example. I love my wife so much. I love her blonde hair and her dark olive skin. If you know my wife, that's not a compliment because she has dark hair and pale skin, fair skin. And so that's not a compliment to her, right, if I made that mistake. In fact, it would be a slight to her. It's the same with God. I mean, we want to love God and we want to love people, but we have to know. We have to have knowledge. Not only that, we want our knowledge of what is true versus false. to It should be increasing our love. So as you're reading the Bible, as I'm reading the Bible, and we're learning more and more about God, what's the goal of that? 
Well, we want our love to abound more and more. And as we're adding knowledge about truth about God. So if this week, Andy and I had a good conversation about God being our father. And I felt like this week I loved God more because I saw the truth about God being my father in a way I never did. That's the way it should be regularly. Like we should be learning truth in the Bible about God and that that leads and is tied in with our love abounding more and more. Very encouraging when that happens and we can pray, God help us, help our love to abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment. So our study of the Bible should increase our love to God. Truth will help us. Now, what is this? I'm kind of touching on something that we haven't considered. What love are we talking about here? What Loving who? Loving God? Loving people? Well, the commentators do all agree that it's probably both. Love to God and love to people. And you can see that because, you know, verses that talk about if we love God, then we'll love our brother. And so you can't really separate the two. And so we may be able to apply that same slant. What is the discernment? It's discerning truth and falsehood to people as well. If you think about a good example for me is like grandparents. Sometimes grandparents really don't want to know the truth. It's like, yeah, I don't really want to know like what my grandkid is doing. I just want to love them. And if they're out doing something they shouldn't be doing, please don't, you know, like, I don't want to know. That's not real love. Uh, That's not loving in truth. If your parent says, here's the car keys, go out, do what you want, uh, and somebody tries to tell them they were out doing something they shouldn't be doing, and they say, no, I don't want to hear it, just drop it, you know, it's fine. They just want this good relationship with their kids, and, and if that means not walking in truth, they're okay with that. That's not real love either. We want love that is based on truth and can discern truth and falsehood. In my mind, that first view really hits more with God, the view of knowing God, knowing what is true, knowing what is false. The second view is, is similar, and I think you'll see that it could, you could fit it into the first view and that the discernment and approving what is excellent is between what is good and what is better. So your discernment is not true and false, but good and better. Now, true um, is better, right, than false. So in one way it overlaps. But So the second view is that some commentators think that this love needs to be able to discern through knowledge what is good and what is better, and what is better is the excellent thing. What is better is the excellent thing. So I'll give you a quote here. Uh, this is by a German guy that I am not even going to try and pronounce his name uh, because it, there's too many consonants. So, <laughs> Discerning mature Christian love equips the believer to assess and adapt what is truly essential and excellent in the eyes of God to distinguish not merely right from wrong, but also the best from what is merely second best. Not merely what is right from wrong, but what is best from what is second best. 
If you really think about this, a good verse that could give the emphasis on this would be 1 Timothy 4.8, which says, Bodily training is of some value. Godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for this life and the life to come. So there you see the better, the good, and the better. And what's good is bodily training. What's better is spiritual training. Spiritual vitality is better than bodily vitality. Why? Because it holds promise for this life and the next. And that's what many commentators think this particular passage is saying. And it makes sense if you really think about your life. How many of the difficult decisions you make day to day really are between right and wrong? It's like, here, should I steal at my job or should I not steal? That's an easy decision. The hard decisions are things like, here's a student who's you know, throwing a fit and I really want to love them do I discipline them right now? Like, just come down on them? So, like, you need to quit, and you need to go, you know, out of the room for a minute, and we'll talk. Or do I show them grace, try and talk to them? It's really hard to know. It's the, That's not a question of right and wrong. Either one of those can be loving, but you want to discern what is good and what is better. And there's times when one is good and one is better, and there's other times when the opposite. One is better and one is good, you're trying to show love. And it's hard to know. And that's what I feel, and I think most of you would agree with, that the Christian life is filled with more decisions between what is better and what is good than the right and the wrong. Those are the difficult decisions. And we want love to be the base. If there's that kid that's you know blowing up in the classroom, what do I want? I want love, first off. that I've got to have that. Right? If I know exactly how to deal with that kid, but I don't have love, I, I didn't gain anything. But if I've got love, and I ask myself in my heart, okay, do I love this student? How can I love this student? And then I ask God, God, would you help me? Would you help me to know how to love this student better? That's what we want. And that's what Paul is praying for here for the Philippians, that they might know what is good and what is better. So that's a man-to-man example. Let's think God-to-man. There are a lot of things in the Christian life where we are cultivating our love to God and our relationship with God, and it's the choice between what is better and what is good, what's, per- what's permissible and what's the best, what's excellent. So if you asked not just what's right and wrong in your Christian life, but not is this wrong, but does this stir my affections for Jesus? Does this bring me closer to God? Is this encouraging and cultivating my faith? You, you would fill your day with, I think, different things than just asking, is this right or is this wrong? Does that make sense? So you have a choice. I've got an hour right now to you know, relax. God, would you help me? What, should, what do you want me to do? Would you give me discernment on what's stirs my affections for you, what draws me closer to you than what doesn't. Because you could choose something that's permissible and isn't wrong, but distracts you for the rest of the night from God. It's possible. And I've made choices like that many times. 
The same with our marriage. Not just how we use our time, but in our marriage. There's a lot of situations where we're trying to choose between what's excellent and what's okay. It's okay if there's a lot of things in in marriage that are okay. But there's things where I want to be better than okay. Why? Because I love my wife. I don't just want to be an okay husband. I want to be a, a good, as the best husband I can be. And it goes, too, with our relationship with God and our spouse's relationship with God. We can stir our spouse's relationship with God. We can stir their affections for Jesus. We can remind them of how much God loves them. That's the second view. The third view is that love, that the love abounding more and more in knowledge and all discernment is to decide between what's important or what's worth more and what's worth less, what's unimportant. And this specifically talking about, this makes a lot of sense in the context here of Philippians because he's going to start talking about his persecution. He's going to start talking about the gospel advancing. And he's going to say, for example, he's going to say, what's more important, that the gospel advances or who advances it? And he's going to say, I rejoice when the gospel advances, even if somebody's preaching the gospel out of bad motives. What's more important? He's saying the gospel advancing is more important than who is advancing it. That's more important. And love, if we love, that makes sense. If I love the guy who's receiving the gospel and, and coming to know Christ, I'm not feeling upset in my heart that it's this guy over here. I don't care who it is. I, I, do I want whoever shares the gospel to be doing it from good motives? Absolutely. But if, if people are coming to know the Lord, praise God for that. And I can rejoice in it. And love leads me into that. What about the shame he feels? Uh, Paul doesn't feel. The shame that he could feel and that the Philippians could feel about his imprisonment. How does that relate to love? What's more important, what's less important? The shame of imprisonment or the gospel advancement in the imprisonment? And he's going to explain, listen, I know this is a hard situation. And back in the time of when he was, it was a big kind of uh, stigma, kind of like it is today, to be imprisoned. And yet he's saying, yeah, I'm in prison, but I want you to know that it's advancing the gospel. That it's hard for me. And, and there's people maybe that have deserted me in the past because of my imprisonment. They just said, we're not going to have anything to do with Paul anymore. But you know what? It's okay. And what's important is that the gospel is advancing, and I want you to know that. What's important and what's unimportant? We want to know and discern, and we want love. To be the base. I'll give you another example, man to man example. We want to, in how we love others, we want to love them in, 
in ways that know, have knowledge and discernment on what's important. So I'll give you an illustration, a parable, and then I'll give you the interpretation of the parable. So I'm out in the Scotland Highlands, okay? I'm going to tell you a couple different stories about Scotland, but have you seen those pictures where the waves are coming, they're smashing into those tall cliffs, and they're going like 40 feet up? There's like these huge cliffs, and the ocean is down maybe like 50 feet below it. Can anyone picture what I'm talking about? Like in Ireland and Scotland, there's these big cliffs, and the ocean's way below it. Imagine I'm on the bottom of the hill, and there's a blind guy walking up the cliff, okay? And he's hitting his cane back and forth, and I said, hey, you know, sir, just you're, you're getting pretty close to the edge of a cliff. And he said, how dare you? Are you telling me that I'm blind and I can't see where I'm going? I'm fine. You know, you offended me. And so what do I do there? What's love with knowledge and discernment going to do? Is it going to pat that guy on the back and say, I'm so sorry. You, you know what? You are competent. You, I cannot believe that I made that faux pas there. You can... You can keep going, and you don't need me. I'm sorry. And that guy might feel better. and He might think, yeah, I feel good. I feel good about that. Is that loving? Not if he's going to walk off the edge of the cliff, right? If I really loved him, I might make him uncomfortable. I might say, listen, you're, you're getting so close to the edge, I think I'm actually going to like physically restrain, restrain you. And he's upset. He punches me in the face. How dare you? What do I do? I just, I just keep loving him, right? I don't let him walk off the edge of the cliff. That's not loving. Now, that's a picture in many ways of the gospel, right? If you tell people, listen, I love you, but you really, really are on your way to meet a living God, and you're going to be forever with him or apart from him, people are going to react pretty similar. Are you telling me I'm blind? Are you telling me I don't know what's going on? Are you telling me I'm not, you know, good enough to get to heaven? They may react exactly the same way. How dare you? You are you are so close-minded, you're so bigoted. I'm you think you know better than me. And it may literally take taking a punch in the face to love somebody, and it's worth it. Right? Even if they don't feel loved, you're actually loving them. We want to love others well. But we've got to have knowledge and discernment how to do that. That we don't want our evangelism to be everybody walks away feeling like they're so friendly, they're so loving if that's not actually the most loving thing to do, that people are going to be offended. And that's okay. But we want the knowledge and discernment to offend where it's, where it's, where it's right and where it's necessary, not where it's unnecessary. And always, at the base, a level of love motivating what we're doing. That's man to man. Man to God we could say just this whole sermon about love. I mean, you could live the Christian life and you could get the wrong emphasis and it would be, it would be really sad on 
judgment day or to meet Christ and him to say, listen, miracles weren't the big thing. And that's what you spent your whole life praying for and striving and you were discouraged because you know you had you hadn't seen a healing or, or whatever. God makes it clear what's important and what's unimportant in the Christian life. And the really encouraging thing is it's things that every Christian can enter into. Whatever your job is, you can love people. Wherever you're at, you can love God and love people. And if that's the big thing, then Christian greatness is accessible to every single person in the whole world. Because wherever you're at, you can love God and you can love people. Praise the Lord. Help us, God, to see what love about more and more and to see what's important and what's unimportant. We want to, at our job, have this sense, God, I want to discern what's excellent today. And I know, I know that what is excellent, what's most important to you, is that I love you and I love others. Help me to do that. I want to tell you two quick stories. Both from Scotland. And one is a pastor who... You meet a pastor, let's say, this is a true story, um, at least the term, in terms of a true individual. But let's imagine you meet this pastor, long beard, you know, black, black coat, black pants, black shoes, and you, you talk to him about the Lord, and, and he's pretty, pretty against the sovereignty of God in terms of salvation. He doesn't believe that God is sovereign. Uh, he's, he's, he's actually pretty... Uh, he gets a little bit worked up. You know, that's not the way God is. God is is loving, and he doesn't do that. And you talk to him, and it seems like, you know, you differ in your theological views. And you meet your friend later who also knows this guy. And he says, yeah, I know. I know he's like that. And I disagree with him. But you know what? He's far above me in love. And he says, you want to hear the story about the first time he heard uh, someone teach on, on the doctrine of predestination that some are going to you know, go to heaven and be with God and, and some will be lost forever? He said the first time he heard that, he broke down weeping because the thought, at the thought of people going to hell forever. You would be like, well, like, maybe, I don't disagree, maybe I disagree with this guy theologically, but in terms of love, like he's a, he's a mile ahead of me, right? That, that's, that hasn't been my response to hearing things like that. Why? I, I honestly believe I don't love people enough, right? And so what's really important there? You want love, right? Do you want that love to have knowledge and discernment? Absolutely. We don't want to deeply love people and then go off into error. We don't want that. Would it be better to have love, be filled with love, and actually understand what God is saying in his word? Absolutely. That's what we want. And I think that that guy, what we could pray for him is, God, would you help his love to abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment? Because we want him to know what's true, don't we? We want him to be able to discern what's true and what's false. And we want that added to his love. 
But can we say, like, wow, praise the Lord for his love? I, I feel like I can. I feel like I'm challenged by that story. Do we want him to discern what's good and what's better? Absolutely. What's important and what's unimportant? Absolutely. I feel like that's a good example to me. I mean, what the base is and what we want added to it, right? The base is love. We want to start there. And if we see somebody starting with a base of love, praise the Lord. Like, that's where it starts. Because for me, honestly, if you ask me honestly, if I met that guy who was, you know, kind of theologically off, and I met another guy who was right on theologically, but I didn't really see a ton of evidence of love, I think I would, like, probably be more comfortable with the other guy. Why? Because in my mind, I slip out from seeing love as the big thing at the base. I really do. And I don't want it to be like that. When we meet people, we want to pray. And as a church, for you and for me, we want love to be the big thing. And so we could just ask the Lord, Lord, please help. We need to move on uh, and finish up this verse. Look, Look at what the result of this is at the end of verse 10 and end of verse 11. Once we, he wants our love to abound more and more and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. Verse 11, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Do you want to be blameless on the last day? Of course. Do you want to walk like Jesus walked? Yes, absolutely. What is the base? All the law and the prophets hang on two commandments, you remember? Love the Lord your God and love your neighbor. Jesus said, on these two hang all the law and the prophets. It's pretty amazing, really. If you want to be blameless on the last day, love. You can love. Love God and love people. And if you really do that, you'll keep the commandments. Praise God for that. When we don't have the knowledge and discernment, when we get you know, caught up and we don't know exactly what the best situation is here, what, uh, what should I do? What should, I don't know exactly how to work out what, what I need to do. Remember, you know what? If I just love, that's the big thing. Praise the Lord for that. The result is being blameless on the last day, filled with the fruit of righteousness. Excuse me, that comes through Jesus Christ. If we love, we are going to be filled with the fruit of righteousness. Where does it come from? It's through Jesus. It's not something we work up in ourselves. We're not working up loving Jesus and loving God and loving people in our own strength. It's through him. We come to him. God, just like Andy was saying, God, help me to love the way you love me. Fill me with your love. Fill me with your spirit of love. Fill me with the fruit of the spirit, which is love. Help me. It's through Jesus that this is possible. We can just pray. God, that's why this is a prayer. My prayer that your love may abound more and more. We can pray that. God, fill me with love. Help me. That's what we want. Through Jesus is where love comes to the glory and praise of God. If it's through Jesus, then who gets the glory? Jesus. The Father who sent Jesus. And sent the Spirit to us. That's who gets the glory. And that's, that's what we're looking towards, isn't it? 
We're looking towards the day of Christ. I'm not living for you to think I'm loving. I'm living to stand before Jesus on the day of Christ. And that means that I might do something different than if I was living for how you, how loving you think I am. And that's our goal. Our goal is the glory and praise of God in the day of Jesus Christ. We don't want to sacrifice an ounce of love today or an ounce of truth, discernment, knowledge, because we're looking just man to man. We're looking for that day. We're looking to be filled with the fruit of righteousness to glorify God on that day. Praise the Lord that he'll help us. Let's just summarize here and close. What do we want? We want our love to abound more and more. Where does that come from? God. That's why it's a prayer. Pray for me and I'll pray for you and let's pray for each other. God, would you help their love to abound more and more in knowledge and all discernment? Why? Because I want you and you want me on the day we meet Jesus to have run well, right? To hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Where is it going to come? Through Jesus. Why do we want it? We want God to be praised. We don't want to be praised. We want God to be praised. We want God to get the glory. We want the Father to get the glory through the Son for sending the Spirit and working in our lives. And that's what he prays here. Wherever you're at today and wherever whatever's going on in your life, praise the Lord, this applies to everybody. This is what we want wherever we are. Paul's writing it from prison. He's writing it to the Philippians who are undergoing difficulty and persecution. But we can pray for anybody, wherever they are. So why don't we close in prayer here. Lord, we just lift up this to you. We do pray you'd fill us with love. We want our love to abound more and more towards you, towards others. Would you fill us with knowledge and discernment so that we can approve what is excellent? If there's things that um, we need to discern truth and falsehood or better and best, would you help us this week, Lord? Would you help us to start with love and then would you give us knowledge and discernment to know what's best? We lift up this time to you and I pray that it would be helpful to you, to the people, and would be glorifying to you. Amen.